0: Hey, it's Chef Carla and welcome to Show Up Fully. This is a podcast that shares what it's like to show up for your real life, the magic and the hot mess, plus actionable tips and journal prompts for you. There's are short podcast snacks and full length interviews with creatives and entrepreneurs about how they show up in their lives. If you don't know me, I'm a food stylist and content creation coach. You can find me chef Carla Contreras across all social platforms and more information in today's show notes. Danielle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so grateful for you and your work. I want to preface this conversation that I've worked with Danielle in her program, Visibility Medicine. And this is something deeply personal for me to share with you, but I'm going to share it right now with you. I feel like I'm a very visible person, But I feel at times I'm very invisible in my business, especially because I do content creation for others, for brands, for other people. And it might even be whitelisted and not even have my name on it. Mm -hmm. And so in this way, Danielle has really supported me. And I have read your newsletter is one of those newsletters that I open I maybe have a cup of tea and I read. And I really feel supported by your newsletters. I feel supported by your shares. I feel supported and I will use the word authenticity. And some people might think that with a grain of salt, but there is so much richness there. And I want to say that we are on nourishing creativity. We are on the podcast that I've wanted to do actually for a year and a half. And working through your program, I was able to move through some of my fears, especially of letting go of show up fully and or weaving it together into my work and also launching my Substack, which felt really scary to me. And I want to be really authentic and I feel like this is like the biggest introduction, but I also feel like your work has helped me move through so many spaces in my life, including my business, including motherhood. And I do want to share one of your quotes before you tell us all the wonderful things that you are is my mothering supports my business. My business supports my mothering. It's just a guiding light right now for me. Thank you, Danielle.
1: Mm, Thank you, Carla. In so many ways. I mean, to receive and hear all of that, it's just beautiful. Takes me back through the journey. I remember your first email. And the work can be subtle in a certain kind of way. And it still is so profound because really it's about
0: you just being more of you. Yeah. Yeah. It like makes me want to cry Hmm. because your work has brought me back to a place where I remember those glimmers of the things that I used to have fun with. Yeah. Gets to be fun. Yeah. It's beautiful. Can you tell us more about your work? Because I've given a glimpse and a depth of visibility medicine and what that is, but you do so much, including photography I'm really interested in the journey with money as well. Mm,
1: sure. I mean, in terms of like titles I hold or things that I do, you know, what the names are. Mother. I'm a mother. That's the thing. I've been the longest. I've been a mother more than half of my life. I am turned 50 this year and I had my first child at 20. I was pregnant with him at 21 and my, I had three by the time I was 27 and another one at 35. And more than a decade, I was a single parent of my first three, and I've often also referred to myself as a repartnered single parent, which is no reflection on my partner, but simply that it's a different way of being for many of us and doesn't necessarily change just because we're repartnered, although circumstances change. So that's a whole other thread. I am a perimenopausal woman, which isn't necessarily my work, except for that I'm in a body. And this is the body that is the vessel for whatever work I'm doing. And my perimenopausal journey started like 10 years ago and has been quite wild and has had some complex threads, as so many do. So I've actually decided that I'm going to do kind of a report from the road workshop around it in a couple of months. So that's exciting.
0: I can't wait. Yeah.
1: You know, there's this thread in my work. I was a doula years and years and years and years ago. I was an energy worker and body worker starting before my first baby. So like early nineties. And I also worked in accounting. So there's always been this like business math and healer work, you know, and photography was the thing that I did in sort of this angsty way on the side And by that, I mean, I'll say this, I never, ever, ever saw myself as a creative person. I had a different definition for that, which is part of why. And it just wasn't what was reflected back to me in any of my formative years. It wasn't my experience. It wasn't, I heard I was smart. I heard I was, you know, it was only... It was my intellect that was pointed to, not creativity. And what we hear and what, what people see and reflect back to us can be so profoundly shaping in terms of our sense of self and our identity. But I was in awe of art and artists and loved photography. But I also, it was like I was collecting evidence. It's almost a forensic quality to it. I needed to see myself. I needed to see my life reflected back to me in a variety of ways. I mean, there was parts where I didn't have this language for it, but as someone who has lived with body dysmorphia, there was this relationship between me taking photographs of myself. Again, this is more years and years and years ago. And then seeing and being with those photos and what did that mean? And who is this person I'm looking at? And that's not what I see in the mirror or it is. And I don't like, you know, all that kind of grappling. Or my mothering and doubting myself. I mean, it's no small thing to have three boys and one of me and be so in over my head so much of the time. And and I had such huge high hopes for my mothering and how it was all going to look. And then I see the photos and I'd see like, oh, yeah, there's there's some beauty here. There's goodness here. And it's not just the picture I paint in my head. Right. So anyway, photography was always there in a variety of ways, more in this, like I said, I don't think I've said it like this before, but I feel like it's almost more forensic than just documenting, right? It was like, I was looking for clues, looking for evidence, looking for what's really the truth. And I love the process. I love having the camera in my hands is like this way that I'm profoundly intimately present with like some separation that allows me to both gives me license to look and to really look while also giving me some stimuli separation so I'm not overwhelmed. So (laughs) it's great for me for things like if I were to go to a rally or a march or whatever, it's usually in the role of photographer. That's how I roll. Anyway, that's a bit of a dive of a maybe a bit of a segue, but it all is what a big part of what informs my work, including money. There has been so many things that I have had to learn. I had a relatively strong, very foundational basis in terms of business math, but I didn't translate. It was much more in a corporate sense, right? It wasn't translated into my personal life significantly. And when I started my business, it was not, I have a vision that I want to bring into the world. It was... Holy shit, I need a job. And I have a baby and three young boys, one going into adolescent, and the others were gonna go right behind him. And I and I was in a family transition. I needed to be present. I also had some body stuff, so I knew that going into or back into a corporate environment, it wasn't gonna work. I'd end up spending so much money on childcare I wouldn't make anything. So it was a it was a true quandary of I have bills to pay and babies to feed, and this needs to happen. I literally sat down with a paper and pen with two columns and wrote, what can I do? And listed the things I was capable of and who can I do them for? And listed the people that I knew in my sphere that needed the things that I had to offer. That's how my business started. It was not, like I said, I mean, I work with visionaries. And I will say, if I were my client, I probably stop me right there and say, you did have a vision. You had a vision for being able to be present with your kids, let your body move at a pace she needed to while making the money you needed to make. That's a vision, right? It may not necessarily be as outwardly oriented, right? That came later. Like the I was able to make meaning as i went i was able to orient towards my values as i went or expand those values beyond just the survival ones that were in front of me which were deeply rooted in love and care anyway so all of those things and and that journey started 2011 i mean it was kind of brewing before that but really doors opened you know around 2011 so we're talking about 12 years ago that journey has evolved Brand photography kind of happened, believe it or not, on its own. There's, there's a lengthier origin story, but photography became something that I was asked to do. And I said, yes, I've done a lot of saying yes. Our no's are so important and so incredible. And our yeses are as well. And it really depends, too, on our season of life and what we are able to, our authentic capacity, and we're using the word authentic a lot today, which I think is really cool and fun, and maybe we're reclaiming it because I think that authenticity is something we all crave so deeply, and yet it's gotten a little bit of a bad rap because it was you know, commodified, thrown around, played out, if, if there can be such a thing. I don't think any of us actually believe authenticity itself can be played out, but sometimes the words can start to feel a little empty in the way that they're trampled on and slung around. But it is something we deeply crave and want, and both in terms of just being our authentic selves. But when when I talk about authentic capacity, I'm like, let's be real. I'm all for expanding, you know, expanding our capacity to hold more, to be more, to allow ourselves more. And also, let's honor our authentic capacity. We don't need to hurt ourselves any more than the world can do.
0: Oh my goodness. It is everything. And you touched upon creativity and I want to dive a little bit deeper because that's one of the questions that I would love to know is how do you define creativity? And I guess I want to know at this moment because it feels like listening to you that there's been an evolution of that definition. For sure.
1: I would say that my initial response when you say, how do you define creativity? A part of me wants to say, I don't. Who am I to define creativity? But what I will say is that we are inherently, innately, biologically creative beings. It's undeniable. And that was a rather liberating thought for me to recognize that like, oh, it's not a matter of whether you're creative or not. That part is a given for every human being. And not only our human beings, right? But for every sentient being, as far as I can tell, maybe there's some exceptions in there, but what do we do with it and how do we use it? And I also don't want to ever water down or take lightly those who really, really work to hone their artistic craft, right? So while I think that creativity is absolutely innate and universal and it's not something you earn it's who you are there is a difference between that and the honing of or discipline of a particular
0: creative practice or artistic practice yeah that's my answer so cool so do you have a current relationship with creativity and i want to see this in a way that leads into photography because I want to explore that a little bit, especially because that's one of the lenses using a pun here. Yeah. But one of the lenses that I use to create. But is there a relationship with creativity perhaps in your writing or photography or however you might explain it? I would love to know how do you approach those subjects?
1: I feel like there's a certain part of me that is very like wrestly with it, agitated, never really satisfied. And that's not something that I think is particularly useful. I don't feel a kind of way where I'm like, yep, and that's my creative process. That doesn't really feel true. It actually feels like it's a part of me that maybe will always be there, but could use some growing up a bit. And I I love that part anyway. Like I see all of that and it's not the biggest priority in my life. So I just allow it to be. And it can be kind of frustrating because there is this desire for me with photography. There's always been this desire to create something and then there's what I create and then, and there's a gap and I'm always wanting to try to close that gap between the overwhelming beauty that I see in my mind or see when I'm looking through the lens and what I actually create in the picture. And so some of that is learning new technical skills a lot of that is not giving up and not making sure I continuously pick up my camera. There are times like I've been through quite a phase actually of not picking it up to where I started to feel like, is it over? Right. Cause I mean, you're a photographer. I don't know how this is for you, but for me, it, it, there's a compelled feeling to pick up my camera. There's a compelled feeling to, I need to photograph this. I want to photograph this. And it kind of went dormant and Yeah, there's been this moment of like, is it over? And then what I decided was, well, put yourself in some situations, give yourself some assignments and open your books again. Because I only take a certain amount of clients each year. And what I find every single time is, oh, right. Sometimes the doing has to come before the inspiration, right? That is not news to anyone, but holy shit, can I forget?
0: I identify with this a lot. Yeah, because I have this and I love that you use that word angsty. We started this call, and we chatted before about you doing yoga this morning. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, because I'm not sure this is my personal practice is that I have some rituals, I have some ways that I kind of ease into this creative process. And I call it nourishing my creativity. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if you have anything that supports your process of creativity. There was someone that came on this podcast that said that she lights a candle and that's just like her thing. But I'm wondering if you could share anything around that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I tend to have, I like to think of it as like, because I love this bag, you know, Mary Poppins, big carpet bag. Yeah. (laughs) So, and I love her. So let's pretend that I have that and it's filled with practices. And the reason why is because partly because of how my brain is wired and partly because of some of my body's needs, which can be quite dynamic and changing. And some of it because I do have four children, one who homeschools, three who are now in their twenties, but are still deeply in my day-to-day life. Point is, is that I, I I think these are like the revolving door years you know, of in terms of the activity in my house and the stimuli, all of these things, right? So all of these things with a big, fat, bold underlining how my particular brain and neurology works, I crave consistency and I need it to be flexible. Uh, so some kind of movement, some kind of something, ideally it feels good and ideally you know, yoga works really well. Dance works really well. Walks in nature work really well. Those are like my, and actually Pilates. Those, those are the ones that if I can, if my body's in a place where I can and all the other things. And sometimes that's a a five minute practice. It's rarely more than a half an hour. That's what works for me. Yeah. But that definitely puts me in a more agile state. There's more room for flow of all kinds when I move my body there's two other things that are big for me. One is making sure that I experience beauty. So beauty for me perpetuates beauty. And I'm, I'm just a highly sensitive human being in all of the ways. And that means that using my senses, right? My smell, my like very literally sight, smell, touch, taste, all of these things help me to tap into what I'm feeling and it begets more creativity. The beauty begets more beauty. I don't know if that makes sense. So a lot of it is really about my body. And the other one is to make sure I'm living life enough. Am I caught in all of the requirements of the day-to-day, which certainly is a valid part of living life? And also, am I seeing what else is going on in the world? Am I watching the leaves change? Am I, you know, just like interacting with the world so that there's material, other material mixing within my own internal material and the interrelational material of my household and the ecosystem of humans that I'm in contact
0: with. I love the mixing of the other elements yeah. coming into this and how does that move through the space? and maybe you don't define it this way, but this is my definition is creative blocks. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get really stuck, like literally like deep in the mud, but I have an assignment still do. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to move through that. I'm wondering if there there are ways in your work that you move through things That may feel sticky.
1: Yes. I think it's a little different. Like, so if if I'm talking about photography and I'm feeling stuck and because the majority of my photography is with another human being, I mean, I will occasionally do, you know, book photos or object photos for my clients, but mostly it's another human. And so if I'm feeling blocked, I will set the tone, pick the place, you know, I'll find where we're going to be. I'll choose somewhere that has some of those elements, some of those sensorial elements that will add layers to my own, that will spark me, right? The time of day, the light, the smell of the trees, you know, whatever, that sort of thing. Although to be honest, because it's so about the other person and I find humans unendingly beautiful and fascinating, I know enough to know that like I might be feeling a little bit flat about it, but the second that I'm with that person, it's on and it's so good and I don't really have to bring a whole lot to it. You know, There are times where we're intentionally creating like a curated piece of art, but more often what I'm doing is I'm in the role of the witness and I'm creating opportunity for you to bring an aspect of you or all of you. And then my job is to capture and witness that as much as possible. So it's a a little different, right? Than if it were like, let's go do a session that embodies and expresses Aphrodite, right? That would be a different kind of creative process than a lot of what I'm doing and is also amazing. So when I get stuck in my creative process with things like creating a course, or a module, or a piece of material for something that lives inside of something, usually the big idea is easy. But then like, how do I want to bring this alive in a way that's going to be really effective? And and I feel actually, I feel like I let myself off the hook there a little bit, because there's also a way in which I want my photography better all the time. So yes, that witnessing aspect, all of that's cool. But there's still a way in which I can, again, feel that Grappling, kind of angsty. It, literally, I picture as I'm saying this, I picture myself like laying on the floor and stomping my hands and feet like this frustrated toddler <laughs> that's like, but I wanted to be better. <laughs> and, I, and that is often an invitation for me to look at other art and get inspired. What are some of the other ways I could, how else could I see this? How else could I be looking at this? And what new technical skill could I learn? You know, it's kind of like cooking and I'm no chef. Well, I shouldn't say that. I am very much a home chef. And it's more for me about like technique and ingredients than it is about recipe. Yeah. So when I'm stuck there too, I'm like, well, give me one new spice to play with. Or give me a creative constraint. My, I have one of my kids who always is like, I le- they like my poor food <laughs> the best. And that, you know, he can say that fair enough, right? The food that I make when we have no, have had no groceries, right? And it always is like this amazing, because you work with what you have and you can bring out the yeah. flavors. So all of those things, creative constraints, a new ingredient or a new technique. I feel like that's actually kind of the
0: trifecta, right? I want to repeat that. So there's creative restraints, there's a new technique. And what was the third one? A new ingredient. A new ingredient. I feel like this applies to not only cooking, but to everything yeah. else, right? Right. Like even with photography, right? So if we have either a new subject, a
1: new environment a new piece of equipment or a new technique we've learned, like a new technical thing we've learned, any one of those things changes it. Or when we have an assignment, like that's that creative constraint, right? I have to do, or if we're photographing something, but we only have one window for our light, that's a creative constraint. So we work with that, you know? All of those things can create opportunities for thinking about something in a different way, which I really think in so many ways is what creativity is. How do I think about this in a different way and then bring it to form? I guess the creative act itself is like the bringing it to form. I don't know. That's why I hesitate to define it.
0: But I think that you've given me so many things and hopefully the listeners so many things to really consider about creativity and things that hopefully, you know, I'm going to actually take this this into my own work because I know using a different prop for me because my work is food styling. So using a different prop or using a different surface, I might be not wanting to, like earlier I said, not wanting to do something or, you know, I feel like maybe I'm not inspired to create X, Y, and Z recipe, but I know I have that new surface and you're right. You said something about as soon as you were with your person that you're shooting Mm -hmm. the person that that you're doing the photo shoot like it's on and I feel like it's the same with my own work that once that surface is on the table once that new prop is on the table it's on it's already started and I think that that starting process Mm -hmm. maybe do you have anything with that starting process or is it really just showing up um, and I don't want to say just, actually, I do want to say just, I want to say that intentionally, Yeah. like putting yourself in the chair and creating the the course module.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the starting is such a big thing. And for so many people, we need, often need, even if we don't like it, what I try to refer to as a right size amount of pressure. And this might resonate for anybody out there who has, for example, an ADHD diagnosis, oftentimes or identity, or, or just even like you see that in yourself. Oftentimes there can be this belief that one can carry for a long time that they just don't, they're procrastinators. But we've learned that there are just some brains that need a certain right size pressure in order to mobilize. And what I also think about with that is I think sometimes we're cooking, like it doesn't look like we're doing anything, but it's actually gestating or baking or whatever metaphor or literal thing that you want to call it. Right. But there is a process that's happening, that's happening, that's happening. And then you go to do the thing. And the thing that you have been trying to get yourself to do for three months actually only takes you an hour to do but those three months weren't probably maybe as passive as you thought they were. Maybe there was actual important, invisible work happening so that you could show up and do that thing in the hour. And that I I find useful because it takes a layer of the suffering off of the shaming of what's wrong with me. I don't have my shit together kind of thing. And I think the other thing is just starting, right? So it's like, sitting down and writing, I have no idea what to do with this next piece. Like name the problem, but do it with the medium. So same with the camera. If I'm feeling really, really flat, fine. Go pick up the camera and take some photos anyway and just keep doing it until something starts to shift.
0: Right. This is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing, Danielle. I feel like I'm walking away with so many gems. And I can't wait to hear what other people have to share after listening to this.
1: Oh my goodness. Would you mind if I share one last thing? Oh my gosh.
0: I would love for you to share more.
1: Okay. So this just is something that I think about so often and even still at 50, I struggle with, and that is really making time for me and my creativity whether it's paid or unpaid, like that part irrelevant, right? Just my own create, my own inspiration, my own engagement, my own creativity, whatever that even means. I would call that like my own soul work, right? That's the thing that is here, regardless if all money and all capitalism and all things went away. I am still a creative being. I, my soul still has things it needs and wants to express. Really making time for that, whether it's through, weekly artist dates. Thank you. The artist way, one of the most timeless classics that just doesn't seem to go wrong or something, just something that, you know, uh, gives me permission to do that. And I'm saying me. And I, I think that this is so true for so many. Anyway, it makes me think of this quote from Clarissa Pinkola Estes, and I'd love to read it with you. I would love it. Please share. Okay. So I've seen women insist on cleaning everything in the house before they could sit down to write. Now, before I read the rest of the quote, I want to make a comment here because sometimes I think that comes from an imposed upon us cultural requirement that we have certain duties that we are obligated to fulfill. And sometimes I think that comes from the fact that some of us really need a certain kind of visual calm or order or beauty in order to feel that exhale that allows us to do the other thing and i think sometimes we're not sure which one we are and it's worth considering it's worth considering okay so i've seen women insist on cleaning everything in the house before they could sit down to write this next part though and you know it's a funny thing about house cleaning it never comes to an end perfect way to stop a woman a woman must be careful to not allow over responsibility or over-respectability to steal her necessary creative rests, rifts, and raptures. She simply must put her foot down and say no to half of what she believes she should be doing. Art is not meant to be created in stolen moments only.
0: Oh, this is underline, circled highlight. I love her work. I do too. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful reminder like, art is not to be created in stolen moments. This reminds me that I was, <laughs> I actually stopped cleaning this morning because I read your email, and <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I need to get ready for this podcast. And that, and that included taking deep care of myself and preparing for this podcast. And I'm grateful that you brought this essentially full circle for me. Thank you for sharing this beautiful, beautiful quote. I'll put this in the show notes. You're
1: so welcome. I mean, I think that's it, right? That piece you just said is that included deep nourishment for you. That's what we want to do. We want to build the work that really allows us to be our authentic selves. And inside of that, it's good for us as it is good for the world. It's not an either or, regardless of the systems that we're functioning inside of that are not all built
0: for our thriving. Danielle, can you share with us how we can work with you, how we can find you, how we can support you? Yeah, uh, you can find me occasionally
1: on Instagram at Danielle Cohen Photography. My newsletter is probably one of the best places to stay in touch, and I can give you a link for that, or you can find it on my website, which is danielle-cohen.com. I really do have a a myriad of fun things coming up before the year is over.
0: Thank you, Danielle. Thanks so much for tuning in to Show Up Fully. I am your host, Chef Carla Contreras. You can find me, Chef Carla Contreras, across all social platforms and more information in today's show notes. While you have your phone open, please leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. This is how other people find this show. You could also send this as a text, an email, or posts in your social feed. I really appreciate your support. Sending you and yours love. Bye.